is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergeff. Thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Sean Bolson joining us uh, on the phone here as we talk on this uh, Wednesday morning as uh, we are now down to the final two teams in college football. National championship game comes up on Monday. The NFL is headed toward the final week of the regular season. And Sean, uh, lots of big football uh, from here on. Every game has so much meaning. The Vikings still have a chance to get into the playoffs. They need a lot of help and then they have to win. Uh, I I enjoy watching winning football. I want the Vikings to beat the Lions. But if they don't, there is a silver lining to it. They'll get a little higher draft pick. Yeah, they will. And and even if they did beat the Lions at this point, uh, with our injuries, with obviously Cousins, Hawkinson, some of our other guys, uh, you know, I don't know that we would make any noise in the playoffs anyway. Right. Uh, I've never been one that cheers against us winning, uh, yeah. but I first of all, I don't see us winning. We're a really bad team right now, yeah. and you know, there's some help. You look at, uh, you know, the Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. You yeah. look at uh, at the Washington quarterback Phoenix. You look at some of the others. You know, even the higher touted ones out there. You know, there is some uh, depth in this draft that could help us going forward. And to me, it kind of looks like that's where we're going to be. And you know, I'm okay with that at this point. Yeah, I think uh, best case scenario is they're able to come to a contract agreement with Cousins that yep. that doesn't you know that isn't a five year deal. Uh, that is one that they can have some flexibility to draft one of these highly rated quarterbacks in the first round and have them learn at Cousins' feet for a couple of years while the Vikings are pressed up against the salary cap trying to win right now. And then a couple of years down the road, that guy J.J. McCarthy is kind of the Michigan QB has kind of been the guy. I've been on because I don't think they'll have enough um, draft capital to trade or if I want them to do that, to get into a top two or three pick to get one of the top three QBs. So I'm kind of a J.J. McCarthy guy. I'd love it if they sign Cousins and draft McCarthy. Then I think we're ready to go at that position for years to come. Yeah, I'm not a McCarthy guy myself. I Mm -hmm. think he's turned into a decent college quarterback, but I look at some of these out there, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think there's four or five guys that, you know, even if you're – you know, in the top 10, you might have a chance of getting. Now, the other concern for me, I look at a lot of these big-time teams, and you look at what they've done. Now, the Eagles have faded a little bit, but you look at the defensive line for the Eagles. You look at the defensive line uh, for the Niners. You know, you look at some of these teams, and, and uh, I wouldn't mind growing on the defensive line and obviously growing at the quarterback position. Uh, I think Cousins is another two or three really above-average, elite-type years in front of him. And so I'm really great with signing him and letting somebody, you know, like Love did uh, under Rodgers, just kind of get to learn the system, learn how to become a pro, learn from someone. You know, the the one thing about Cousins is, you know, the character is just off the charts. And uh, having somebody sit behind a person like Cousins and, and learn and understand what it means to become a pro and how to succeed, you know, I'd be a big fan of. So I think, uh, you know, we're pretty good at, at, at some of the skill positions. But D-line and quarterback are the two areas I'd really like to focus on. Yeah, get some depth in those positions, that's for sure. I'd just like to see Quazy have a good draft. 
Uh, right. his, his first two drafts, last year's was a failure, his first draft, uh, probably an F on that one, passing on this Kyle Hamilton, who's uh, you know having a terrific year in Baltimore as a safety, who the Vikings could have had, uh, but they traded down and wound up with Lewis Seen, who can't get on the field. I don't know why. I assume he's big enough, fast enough, strong enough. He probably just can't read offenses and what they're doing and is out of position all the time. But that was a terrible draft. This last year, uh, a little more usable with Addison, of course, being the first-round pick and, and being a good wide receiver. But whoever Quasi drafts, I just want him to get the right guys. Uh, if they decide not to go QB in the first round, fine. Uh, bolster that defensive line if there's a big uh, tackle available uh, that they can use in there. You know, they got to worry about Daniel Hunter, too, in the offseason. I mean, he's a free agent as well, and he's going to be coming off a big year this year. So this is the biggest offseason the Vikings have faced in some time. It is, and we'll really see, you know, what Quasi uh, does because, like you said, I mean, the other drafts have not been good. Um, you know, some of the areas of concern in the past, uh, obviously we always pointed to offensive line. Right now our offensive line's okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate our offensive line by any means. Um, I look at the, uh, you know, it's funny, but going into the year with Cousins being so durable as he is, you know, the um, backup quarterback position, you know, it really wasn't a major concern because we never had to deal with it. Now we're really seeing what it means to have your starting quarterback go, go down and and then, you know, everything is magnified because when you're not putting up any points per game, you know, now your defense gives up, you know, 18, 21 points, and you don't know if you can win because your offense isn't striking at a, uh, uh, you know, level that you just are confident you can overcome that. So, um, yeah, lots of concerns, uh, but I think with how the season went, you know, it's going to allow us some uh, draft picks to try to make the right decisions. And if we do, you know, it's, we can see a couple good draft picks can you know really help turn a franchise around. Boy, that's for sure, uh, and and they need to do that because when you decide that you're going to keep your stars at enormous salaries, uh, uh, Cousins and Hunter and Jefferson, they might make the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL this off season. Uh, you can still get under the salary cap, but you have to really skimp in other places then. And that means you need to score on your draft picks to fill in with less expensive players the rest of the roster if you're going to have, you know, Hawkinson's the highest paid tight end, Jefferson about to be the highest paid wide receiver, Daniel Hunter probably wants to be among the highest paid defensive players, Kirk Cousins isn't cheap. Uh, you know, you have a lot of these guys that are going to make enormous salaries, so you have to score in the draft uh, this year. It's so important for him to get that done. Yep, it definitely will be because, like you said, you can't have the best player at every position. We all know that. Yep. Uh, it's just with, with the salary stuff, you just can't do that. So uh, pick and choose where you want to spend your money, and then you got to find other guys. I think back to like when uh, Kansas City won the Super Bowl and we had all that money invested in Delvin Cook, and they had Isaiah Pacheco as, I believe, a seventh-round draft pick, yep. making you know league minimum, and here he contributed in a huge way. It was a big deal, but then they chose not to spend their money on receivers when they have a pretty gifted quarterback. Tyree Kill goes down to Miami and he succeeds, and and uh, Mahomes now you know has a uh, receiving core with some of the most drops in the league, and so you just really have to pick when you have such a high paid skill position players. You have to pick, hey, where do we think we can uh, get by with getting average guys, and and that's why he's the GM, and that's why you know we need 
Sarkeesian makes some good decisions, draft correctly, having some of these rookies on rookie contracts, you know, that don't cost you a ton of money, having them succeed is a really big deal in making your franchise go. So you're able to pay the, the top guys top money. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's been pretty good with some of the other moves uh, outside of the draft. And, again, Addison was an excellent draft pick first round. But, you know, the trade for Hawkinson uh, certainly turned out uh, for the Vikings. But he hasn't been perfect there either, signing Davenport uh, at defensive end and spending $13 million of the cap to bring in a guy who played in, like, three games because of injury history, and that was known about him uh, before the Vikings signed him, that he had a lengthy injury history and a reputation for not necessarily uh, working his rehab all that hard so that he gets back as quickly as possible, that he was a guy who had the reputation coming in, that he often extended his uh, you know, IR stays or uh, uh, weeks that he was unable to play further than other guys because he doesn't really love to play. He just loves the money. Uh, and uh, yeah. that was a missed signing there. They can't do that again. No, they can't. You know, I did like the move getting rid of Cook. Now you look at uh, the Jets, I believe, cut Cook, uh, you know, yep. before the last game. But Dalvin was getting too much. He he asked to be cut yep. from what I understand, Our Cook. Offense. Yep, yep. Yeah. But but you look, you know, that was a good move by, you know, Quasi. Yeah, it was. Yep. You know, we're, we're looking at other, uh, we need we need some quality moves going forward to get the franchise heading in the right direction. We don't like to get all excited on New Year's Eve to watch a Viking game and then have it really one of the most boring, ugly games that yeah. I've seen the Vikings play in a long time. It was, just, it was a letdown knowing, you know, we kind of controlled, we had more control of our destiny than we do now. And we really, uh, uh, you know, we just let it go. And, and at this point, like I said, I don't think we're a team you look at some of these, and obviously, you know, the Ravens and the, the Niners, they're probably a, a bit of a step above everybody else. But yeah. you look, and the Vikings aren't in a spot where they're going to go make any noise in the playoffs anyway. So right. if we lose the Lions, we get a, uh, a higher pick. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so be it. Lions might actually play a lot of backups because even though they could move up to two, they have to get a lot of help uh, for that to happen. So you could see the Lions not playing their starters full-time this Sunday anyway. So... Uh, anyway, Vikings and Lions Sunday at noon. Timberwolves have sure been fun to watch. Sean, have you caught any of them? I know you were kind of uh, you know, uh, out of touch a little bit there for a while where you couldn't uh, get the Timberwolves games, but they've sure been fun. Although, 2-2 uh, two and two in their last four, they're in a tough stretch of their schedule, and uh, the offense tends to break down a little bit uh, kind of when uh, there's some hero ball going on from some guys out there. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, they have been entertaining to watch. I know they have what I think the Pelicans tonight, who are yep. you know uh, have their guys. Uh, I think they were in a blowout game last night, so their guys are rested. And um, so yeah, continuing to you know what twenty four and eight, something like that. Yep. I yep. mean, they're, they're a very very solid team, and uh, you know they're competing at a level where even if they don't play their best basketball, they can still win. You know, we haven't seen that in the past. We had to play really good to win games before, and now we're talented enough to where um, you know we don't have to be hitting on all cylinders to win because uh, we are that deep we do need to continue to work about playing on playing as a team at times you talk about it you call it hero ball yep uh, you know I call it Anthony Edwards knows he's the alpha dog on the team and sometimes just really is concerned about getting his points and mm-hmm. and that needs to cultivate into more team stuff we have really good pieces surrounding him so as they continue to grow as a team and uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be okay and, and look for them to make some kind of run this year. 
They do need Ant to play some ISO and score some tough baskets. I just want him to do it at the right times. Uh, sometimes it gets down to the end of games and he decides that's the right time. And it hasn't always been. And now I'm nitpicking on the Timberwolves. My gosh, they're 24-8. and eight. Uh, They've had a terrific run. Finch appears to really have their ear and, and is able to draw up offensive plays to get open shots as long as they run the offense. So it's, it's really been a revelation of a season. This is what they envisioned, I suppose, when they traded for, for Rudy Gobert. Of course, they didn't envision they would also have to trade for Mike Conley. Uh, but I don't know if they're this... This good if Conley isn't traded for last season. To me, uh, he's the real glue that's keeping the team together. He is. You know, D'Angelo Russell was a couple-year experiment that just never, ever worked. It yeah. just never felt right. It just never fit into what the pieces he had around him. Conley is just, a, you know, at this point, he's a very solid veteran with uh, leadership skills and able to play at a really high level and make everybody around him better. So, Seeing that, you know, that was a really good move, and, and you're right. The Gobert trade was big, but getting Conley was huge. Yes. To really have somebody just kind of be able to set the offense, and, and even though he's not taking the most shots on the team by any means, he's getting people in the right spot, and he's distributing where he should. So watching that is very, very encouraging. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that they can always go to if they need a basket uh, down the stretch is the uh, Conley Gobert pick and roll. Those guys have been playing that for 10 years, I think, together. They were uh, in Utah so and now with the Timberwolves. So uh, when they go to that, when they need a bucket, it's it's really effective. Kindly has such great timing on lobbing the Gobert or shooting the jumper himself, of which I think he's fourth or fifth in the NBA in three-point percentage this year, Kindly is. So he's he's really doing it all and pushing 30 minutes a game. So I hope that uh, Jordan McLaughlin can stay healthy now and back off on the minutes a little bit on Conley. Yeah, and when Conley is, is you know, hitting at a, at a very high-level clip, which he does a lot, Gobert, you know, his shooting percentage is off the charts because these uh, passes are delivered in the spot where Gobert is dunking, yep. you know, uh, way over half of his buckets. And so um, that's a really nice combination to have. And then you throw in, you know, Ant, who can – isolate and score and then you throw in Towns who's been much improved yep. in all areas of his game this year you know it, it, it is it's uh it's an exciting brand of basketball to watch sure is uh the wild were on a terrific streak now they've slowed some three straight losses but just like the Vikings the wild have been ravaged by injury I think they put uh, Gustafson on IR uh yesterday so uh the wild are kind of beat up right now they are. That was a bad, you know, a bad loss to Calgary. Calgary got up to a 2-0 lead last night in the first period. And, you know, the Wild really didn't play well, and they played 20 minutes of good hockey, but it was too late. And, uh, you know, they get one to uh, push it to a 2-1 game, and they give up the uh, empty netter at the end to lose 3-1. So, mm-hmm. again, I think we're a game under 500 or right at 500 right now, and that's kind of the, the team we are. You know, we're not a great team. You got Carrell out. You got Gustafson out. Um, you got a lot of people that you're not used to uh, uh, hearing on those top lines and top power plays. You know, Maroon scored last night, and he was on, you know, the power play quite a bit. And Maroon's a, a good, grizzled, tough vet, but, I mean, he's not somebody that you're going to want, you know, touching the puck a lot on a power play. And, and if he is, it just means your offensive firepower is not where it needs to be to win consistently in the league. And that's where we're at. We're hanging on. And, you know, I think we end up somewhere around 500. Um I just I don't really love the feel like we're going to uh, you know make a big run right now. We talk about it every single week. 
strapped with the uh, with the you know salary cap and and just kind of dealing with what we have right now. But yeah, they're a very average team at best right now, and I don't look for a whole lot going down the stretch. So Kaprizov teams, you know, their guys take runs at him. Uh, yeah, they, they try to slow him down by being extra physical and. And we've even seen cheap shots and cross-checking in the back, and they're they're really going after Kaprizov. They they know that kind of he's the stir the the straw that stirs the drink uh, for the Wild. Some guys have gotten in fights trying to stand up for him, but now he's injured. Was that the result of some kind of a hit? Do you know? Yeah, well, it looked like he kind of got uh, cross-checked above the back hip, and they called oh. it an upper body. So I don't know. You know, it's not fully disclosed what it is, but yeah, at this point, you know, he is he gets beat on a lot. He goes in corners really tough, and one of his great skills is the ability to come out of the corners with the puck. Yeah. But when you go in there and you got guys, uh, you know, targeting him to, you know, try to try to do what they can to, uh, you know, knock him off the puck and just wear him down, uh, it takes a toll, and you know, he's dinged right now, and so having uh, a healthy Kaprizov makes a difference. You know, and even when he's been healthy this year. He hasn't played played at that level. He's uh, you know, he's been a turn. He's turned the puck over quite a bit in really crucial spots, and just hasn't led to, to good play, and it hasn't led to the same kind of numbers that he's been accustomed to. So, needing him to uh, get healthy and and get back to that level, you know, would be key because scoring goals right now for the uh, Wild is not a very easy thing. Yeah, and then they lose Gustafson. Uh, do you know anything uh, how long term he might be done? No, and and. Uh, they had talked about, you know, was it day-to-day, week-to-week? Well, now, you know, he's on the IR, and so, I mean, he's going to need some time to heal. So we have, you know, Fleury, who's a, you know, older goalie in the league, and he's a proven. He's obviously won cups before. And then we bring up a young guy. So uh, we'll see. Like I said, I don't see us going on a 6-7 game tear. I think we hold on, and, you know, you win one, you lose a couple. You win a couple, you lose one. So I think that's kind of where we're going to be. Uh, college football national championship game is Michigan and Washington. Uh, two yeah. good semifinals, both entertaining to watch. Who do you like coming up on Monday night? Well, I, I like Washington. I like your ability. Uh, Michigan, offensively, you know, it's kind of what I'd call the old-fashioned Big Ten. They love to ground and pound, and they love to throw it when they can, and they have a solid defense. Washington is a very explosive. This Penix Jr. is just you know, I remember him when he was at Indiana, and then he had, I believe, four pretty substantial injuries. He tore the same ACL twice. Yep. He had a separated non-throwing shoulder. He hurt his throwing shoulder, and he's healthy. And, uh, you know, when he was looking to go somewhere, I believe it was his offensive coordinator at Indiana took over at Washington. He went there, and he's really found a home. And he is able to subtly move in the pocket and, and just throw absolute darts across the field. They have a very, very top-level wide receiver who, to be honest, because they you know are on the West Coast, we don't see very often, but um, very skilled people around him, and, and he's a very accurate passer. So being able to uh, watch them, I think they're going to uh, definitely soften uh, Michigan's defense up if they can protect picks because, as we saw, Milroy for Alabama, he uh, you know got sacked, I believe, four or five times in the yeah. first half. So when the Michigan... You know, defense can put pressure that that'll stop anybody. But at this point, I kind of like the Washington offense to overcome uh, the Michigan defense. And you know, Harbaugh—he's a pretty tough guy to cheer for. <laughs> so I definitely would like to see Washington come out on top of that one. I would too. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess I 
I uh, I got to take Michigan. I'm Big Ten. What can I do? I like to brood for the Big Ten, so I'll take yep. I'll take Michigan. Uh, Sean, thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson joining us here on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.